0: Hello and welcome back to the Let's Backflip show happy hour. I'm Ryan Fring, co-creative director here at Backflip and Lord of the Podcast. And today is special. We're hanging with Brent King, the director of communications for the Diocese of Madison. And it's special because we've known Brent for a long time. He's been with us doing projects for a long time, You know, almost from the beginning. And we've just been able to collaborate on such great good work for the Diocese of Madison. So it was a real joy to finally get Brent on the show, catch up with him. I always appreciate kind of his dry sense of humor. So we have a little bit of fun, tell some stories, just a great episode and and so good to catch up with, with good friends. So this is episode 51. And if you haven't already, please do like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, do all the things. We're everywhere your podcasts are sold. That's right, and we're free. We're coming at you for not not $4.99, not $15.99 like Netflix. We're coming to you for for $0 a month. Just come hang out with us, listen, share some fun times and stories, and uh, maybe learn a thing or two. Without further ado, this is episode 50 with Brent King. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Backflip Happy Hour. I almost called it the Let's Backflip show like I did last week. Uh, So glad that you are joining us here. I'm Ryan Fring, one of the co-creative directors here at Backflip in all this pixelated glory. I actually took one of our old cameras, uh, borrowed one of our old cameras, and I'm using it because I've been having trouble with my my webcam. So I've got that. And joining me always, we've got other co-creative director, John Shoemaker. Say hey John.
1: Hello, John.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it you only took it? like <laughs> two
0: months for me to get that. <laughs>
2: <I want it. laughs>
0: That's awesome. Um, and joining us today we've got our friend and colleague and confidant and uh, just bearded man, uh, time man of the beard future. I, I feel like that should be a, a title. Uh, we got Brent King over here with us. Thanks, Brent, so much for coming on and hanging out with us.
3: Thanks, guys. Um, I've watched the show in the past and happy to be with you today.
0: Um, I was going to say, uh, your beard is not on your your headshot, which I'm a little disappointed because you, I love your beard. It's so manly. When I grow up, I, I wish, I hope that I can grow <laughs> a beard like that.
3: Uh, I'm not caught up with your friend James really
0: <laughs> or, or even Jeff who has like his, his long you know he's kind of going for Amish or you know I think he's going to cut it eventually for his wedding but he's just trying Death to metal, get, get as like much Death as he can oh, total
1: <laughs> and he's got I mean well, I guess I maybe shouldn't give it away but he's got a reason he wants to be able to get several different looks you may recall oh
0: yeah
3: Yeah. That's right.
0: I remember. Yeah, yeah. It's for a purpose. I forget. Yeah. Or I forgot. Um, My
3: wife's already threatening me right now, telling me (laughs) I have to shave. And (laughs) giving me ultimatums.
0: Did you say uh, Amy, your wife?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So she's giving me all the the threats and ultimatums. Um, I keep pushing it off, pushing it off. We'll see what happens.
0: So John, maybe Amanda should talk to Amy because Amanda won't let John shave. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, it's it's a weird thing i she like is like no you should keep it or whatever and i i trimmed it down because i was like i'm not i think i talked to you about this brent you know like, i can only get one style it's you you sort of figure that out as it gets out it's like nothing's ever going to come in right here so if french fur trader comes back into style then i can <laughs> i can really let go i can get the nice this and then that you're nailing I get it. That hat feather in it, you know. Um, <laughs> I like it. But she, she's like, no, you should leave it, you know. But I'm like, I needs to needs to be short to, to like look, you know, put together. But then she doesn't like it because it pokes her. She's like, you can't, you can't kiss me, you can't hug me. It pokes me.
0: <laughs> like, fine, you can have the hugs and the kisses, or you can have a beard. You choose. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Brent, we've known each other for a long time, and I, I guess I didn't realize how long until I saw your bio. Uh, you moved here in 2006, uh, and sure. we met shortly after that, and I think I put in one of the, the promotions, as they say, the rest is history. Um, but why don't you give us give us a little rundown of how, how you got here and we first met?
3: Okay, how I got here. Um, so I'm the Director of Communications for the Diocese of Madison. And I took that job in 2006. Uh, Four years prior to that, 2002, the diocese that I was working in, um, 2002 stands out, for those who know church, recent church history, as the year that the sex abuse scandal hit the church. It was not a good time to be in communications. Um, A woman who had been the editor of the Catholic newspaper in my hometown of Kalamazoo, Michigan, and the communications director, so she was the one answering the, phone calls from the media, she just said, I didn't sign up for this. I'm out. And this is in the summer of 2002, shortly after everything just kind of broke around the country and then around the world. So a friend of mine who was kind of my boss at the time, the chancellor of the diocese, he came to me and said, you understand the church well. Can you think you can learn the rest? Asking me basically to be the diocesan spokesperson, take the media's calls, but then also be the editor of that newspaper. So I did that um, from 2002 to 2006. Mm -hmm. In 2006 I was in Rome for the 500th anniversary of the the Swiss Guard. Um, I knew that the past bishop of Madison would be there too. He was an old friend of mine. He was originally a priest of Kalamazoo or at least was for uh, 20 some years. And We went out for a cocktail at the Columbus Hotel, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: not too far from the Vatican, and Bishop Molino said, I think it's about time that you come work for me. Um, (laughs) I had known him for about 12 years at that time. He went to do something, and a friend that was there with me said, I think he just got a job offer. Um, So I followed up not too long after that. I had been to Madison half a dozen times between 2003 and 2006. Um, so it wasn't foreign to me. Came to Madison, and said, "All right, I'm in. Let's do this." And so, two months, three months later, I was here.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And you've you've been in. Were you the director of communications when you came over? I was. Yeah. Were so you've been. Was, in that uh, director all now for of communications. Like years.
3: I, I um, yeah. Uh, at the same time as being director of communications, I was tending the bishop's desk. Uh, that turned. That we all realized very soon that that was too overwhelming mm-hmm. um you can't try to do both so kind of went completely into communications and i can't imagine having tried to do that any longer but that didn't even last six months eight months and that's when uh william Yowley came in was it that time uh who's now departing he's leaving leaving us and going to the knights of columbus i don't know if you guys knew that
0: that's right yeah i think i did see oh maybe in the catholic Herald there was the announcement <laughs> yep. right yeah Oh, that that's fantastic. And then, I don't even know, was it through maybe Mark that we kind of met? You met Mark, and then we were friends with Mark, and then connected with you? Because, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, my first memory of you is the dinner at your apartment, I believe, um, right by the park, right? The park and the lake.
3: Or uh, off East Forum, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. So... This is my first memory of you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Both of you, okay. Going back maybe six months or a year, I don't remember how that is. So, you guys remember when Father John Newhouse came to Madison to do an event for St. Paul's? And there was a big event at St. Paul's. And then there was a, a luncheon over off Langdon Street. And I think you guys showcased one of your videos. And it was your one where you guys did the iPod dancing type thing. Um, and I think everyone knew who exactly was dancing, what parts, because they they knew your guys' dancing styles. Um, so that was the first time I ever saw you guys' creative side. So that was 2007, I believe, like spring. Um, so then that's kind of how I even knew who you guys were. But Ryan, you, um, Monica was a missionary on campus. Is that right? And she lived with other missionaries. Um, one person who lived with them for a short period of time, anyway, was Bridget Gill at the time, who became Yaloli. And so she was dating a coworker of mine. They weren't yet engaged either. Um, and they said, "Hey, you guys want to come over for dinner?" So we did. And I remember you taking Monica out for ice cream, and it was oh, you know, just kind of. <laughs> so I think that was the first time we ever met in person probably. You going out with Monica just prior to your uh, engagement? Um, Nobody, nobody knows. uh, I do have this green stuff.
0: Oh, Oh, there we go. I was telling you guys about. Oh yeah, yeah. Hang on. Uh, Hold it in front of your face.
3: There you go. Now (laughs) we can see it. So that's chartreuse, and I think I poured way too much. Like I can't finish (laughs) this. Um, But chartreuse is 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 pretty cool, and it's all attached to. The person of Saint Bruno. Um, I wasn't intending to talk about Saint Bruno, but Saint Bruno is really cool.
2: <laughs> but that's just, uh, <laughs> that's just how it happens.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, Saint Bruno was a, a priest. I think in in studying in Paris, he was in Paris. Um, now, this is a lot of our stories that don't go down into the nonfiction books. Kind of get fanta- fantasized, right? So, mm. but one one part one story I've heard was that the cathedral rector of Notre Dame in Paris died. And so they were. he was laid out in the cathedral for days, and three days after he died, I might have my number of days off, mm-hmm. he sat up and said, where you don't want to end up where I am, kind of repent type of a thing. Well, that scared the heck out of Bruno, and so he ran into the mountains and started up the Carthusian Monastery, which is um, still alive today. Um, there are a bunch of monks that even take a vow of silence, and they just live in the mountains, pro- producing everything that they need to sustain mm-hmm. themselves. Part of what they produce is chartreuse for the entire world. That, that um, Oh, wow. So there's a movie called Into the Great Silence or maybe it might just be The Great Silence and it's a two or three hour documentary about these monks lives but nobody talks (laughs) because they're all silent but you get to see the day to day life and one thing that they do each day is they use a little block or something like that and say this is how many pieces of coal I need to use my little stove in my room or another time they say this is how much food I need but they also say how many drops of this they need each day.
0: Oh, my and gosh. So,
3: um,
0: That's amazing. So they're
3: going, I'm having some digestive problems. Give me three. <laughs> so.
0: And but so, I, is, I mean, y- you say chartreuse, and it, it just looks like, you know, it's just so green. Uh, and I know chartreuse is a color, but does the chartreuse, where does that come from? What is? What do they make that
3: out of? That's a good question. Sorry, I'm not Googling it yet. Maybe you are. <laughs> I was no, going to say... I,
0: no, I'm just waiting I, for the, the the
3: knowledge to be dropped. <laughs> it, it's extremely herbal, so it's oh, okay. not like a lot of those things where it's the roots of, you know, whether it's grapevines or other kind of, of root system things that get really, really herbal.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So when you take a sip of it, it hurts all the way down.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: No, Sorry, what do you got,
1: John? Not about,
3: uh, you're not
1: talking about licorice.
3: No, not the anise flavor. Not like that. More the Italian style or Greeks.
0: And we we do we do encourage uh you know, you have some kind of fancy drink. You don't have to have alcohol. But I was very impressed, you know, and we we'll, we'll just lean into our catholic faith that uh it's okay that you have a little chartreuse while you're at work because the 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 monks of Bruno as I am going to call them right now uh <laughs> make it. So you're supporting monks.
3: Yeah. Friday's the bishop's off, day off, too. So um, he's <laughs> Boss is right out. Boss is out. <laughs> yeah,
0: That's amazing. All right, John, what are you drinking?
1: So I actually mixed up something a little bit nicer today. Uh, old-fashioned with bourbon. Amanda got me for Christmas a nice bourbon and a nice brandy. Uh the bourbon is noble oak. Let's see if that's right in the center there. Um and she got me these like shoot I can't remember the name of it now. Um it, it's like a pre mixed uh uh flavor or whatever, mm. but it actually is it's quite good. Like it it tastes Not pre- like a
0: bitters or something or
1: oh no. Um gosh, now I I should have uh it, it's just the name of it. It's it's got the simple syrup in it, it's got oh, okay. the all the stuff in it, um, but it's pretty pretty good. And then she got me these like fancy cherries, just like nicer quality cherries or whatever. So I'm mean, gonna old fashioned sort of thing,
0: the masculine yeah. way.
1: It's just a bourbon, st- straight uh, up. A maple bacon. Oh yeah, and it's a mm-hmm. is that is the term sazerac or S- sazerac? Sazerac, yeah, yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, you could get one of those at uh, Old Sugar Distillery. I think that's the first time I had something like that. Um, I
1: don't have regular ice cubes in it, but I the other day you don't have square
0: did, ice cubes. <laughs> no,
1: I went. I found a um, we have these silicone uh, muffin things to make okay. muffins in. Yeah, and I I was like, oh, I could probably make a big ice cube out of one of those. So I <laughs> filled all those with water to make like a bigger. wasn't a square, but it was like a bigger one that would. Fill up nice. more of the glass.
0: You're really classing it up.
2: Yeah.
1: So
0: I've got, uh, like a witch's brew here. Actually, you can kind of see it settling down to the bottom. We get this misfit crate once a month and it's like all the vegetables that they can't sell it on the shelves cause they look funky. So we got like this much ginseng, no, not ginseng. I keep saying ginseng, ginger. Um, so we got like a ton of ginger, which is like, this is like way too much for anybody's life. um, and Monica blended up some like ginger. It's, I think there's a little sugar in there. And I think she kind of made a little simple syrup, but mostly just ginger. And so it's like a ginger bomb. But then I just add a little sparkling water and some gin to have a, a double ginger, I guess. Uh, that's what I'm going to call that. And it's lovely.
3: It's a good nickname for John. <laughs> uh, ginger bomb—that's what they used to call me.
0: <laughs> ginger bomb—I like it. We—I'll get the titles going again. We'll get that back up there for you. Um, so Brent, we'll uh, we'll continue your story. Uh, I don't remember. I'm trying to think now. Was it your wedding or somebody else's wedding? Because we had a conversation like, oh, this is so important. Um, that media is is great, and you know we we don't do so well as Catholics. In the marketing and media that we put out there, and you had seen seen our stuff, and we're like, let's do something really, really awesome. And I remember just specifically having a conversation at that wedding, and it was like, maybe it was was it your wedding? Like in the up, like upper deck of the area, the reception. There's like a lower area and then an upper area, um, and we were hanging okay, out up I, there. No, it
3: wasn't mine. I'm trying okay. to think of what it is now too. Yeah. Um, keep keep describing it. Um, was oh, it like man. after the fact or was it yeah yeah during, yeah, um... yeah. Ap-
0: uh, <laughs> during the wedding no um, it was in the reception uh, maybe like in the evening you know we're hanging out uh, drinking and just talking about stuff and we were kind of up in that upper area and I even feel like at one point Monica was like hey come on we gotta go like it's time to go like we were hanging out and talking so long
3: uh, We should have teased this before so that I could have (laughs) thought that through. Because I don't remember um, where we were. Shoot.
0: Yeah, I'll Um, I'll get Monica. Do you remember? She's over here. Um, The wedding, and it's like it's like the genesis of Brent and us working together. Uh, Whose wedding it was, like in 2007, 2008, and there was like the reception. There was like an upper area with the seating. See, she's like yes. She's like I know. (laughs) Anna's wedding reception in Roxbury. Ah, okay. Did you hear that, Patrick and Anna's wedding in Roxbury? So yeah, we
3: were at the, yeah, at the House, uh, probably
0: Dorf House? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can like imagine yeah. decorations. See, your memory is amazing. The first time wore her cheetah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at the Dorfhaus. No,
3: house. I saw that. Okay, I remember that reception though. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to say
1: it's good that you. It's good that you didn't occupy Brent for, Brent for hours and hours at his wedding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one way or another it started it, but that's that's amazing like especially too like one of the only things I remember is like our conversation plus some of the decoration, but I don't remember much else about it, but you obviously Well, the Dorhouse is memory. very
3: unique cuz it's just always German.
0: Yeah, so. sure. <laughs> yeah.
3: But um, no, um, I remember that, and so that was probably I'm going to say 2011, something okay. like that. So it was a couple of years after, you know, I'd seen some of the stuff and I'd met you. Uh, so Monica went to go work for the Cathedral Parish in 2008. Yeah. Um, yep. So that, I mean, we—that's why you came over to my house for dinner. That's the only reason I ever yeah. invited you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> and then uh, you know, so I knew you for next three years or so. I'd seen some of your guys work previously. But yeah, um well we weren't doing that much production. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had somebody doing just regular recording in the office, but then in two thousand nine he left. So we needed something and I didn't have any of the skills for any of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was actually about a year and a half after a year after that, twenty twelve, that we first did our first stuff, which would have been a year of faith. Yes.
0: Oh, my gosh. That was so great.
3: um, Where the best part of it was making John get up at 5 in the morning in September and sending him up to Blue Mounds to take the sunset, I think, more than one day because you you needed to make sure you got it right. Mm -hmm. It It took a few tries. tries. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It it took a few tries.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I I was looking through tapes yesterday because I'm, I'm looking for... Uh, there's several weddings in John and my pasts that we both have to edit for our friends and family. Uh, and I was looking through our old tapes trying to find some of them, and I found those tapes from the Year of Faith, and I, you know, that's eight years ago. But that I still love that project and and what we created in
3: there. And, it started nine years ago this year, but so yeah.
0: Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah, in my mind, it's so easy to calculate. You know, to 2020, and then. Yeah, that one, and I can't. I just, I can't do it. Uh, but that was that was a really fun one because it was, I think, uh, maybe we, we were a little spoiled in that you wanted to do things uniquely uh, and were open to our creative, um, which you know, working with you has always kind of been very special in that regard. But that too was probably the first time we ever did any. Any other type of larger campaign like that. So that was that was really cool for us.
3: How many did we do total? Six, seven? I pulled it up earlier, but I don't remember. Somewhere around there sounds mm-hmm. right.
0: Yeah. Seven. I mean we could probably name off the, the different videos. Um but yeah, that and, and we did a lot of really fun cinematic stuff in there as well, I remember. Um, utilizing some new equipment as well as some new techniques because again back to that conversation uh at patrick's uh wedding of like this stuff has to be awesome you know like we have to create content that people want to watch and resonate and want to share um and and you know i think that's one of the special things that we've been able to do all the way through 2021
3: So one thing that, and John's engaged in this pretty heavily right now too, one thing that Bishop Hyang, our new bishop who's been here for a year and a half, is he's talking about evangelization. How do we evangelize? Well, you evangelize um, through that invitation to get to know God better. You evangelize through um, telling your own story. Uh, But then, I guess the other thing is, this is what we were starting with back in 13, 12 and 13, is evangelizing through beauty do you mm-hmm. remember back then was he was he even deacon scott yet or was he just mr scott uh we yeah. we did a yeah. that voiceover of one time also of monsignor bartilla so reading through saint augustine's prayer of mm-hmm. beauty ever ancient ever new so it's like how do you bring people to god through beauty just natural beauty uh the beauty of the liturgy the beauty of the simple prayer uh go back to saint bruno the beauty of silence on a mountaintop in the French Alps
0: with your green,
3: liqueur. <laughs> green <liqueur>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea that God creator of everything can, ev- can draw people to himself just through creation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think that's where we're starting because we're talking about your faith and where does it start?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So this were uh, John's sunrise shots which is still like one of our top three watched videos on our YouTube page, um, it just resonates with people.
1: Well, and it's a challenge. I'm trying not to. I'm like, oh, that's a very positive tone. and I, I was about to maybe have something that's slightly like The challenge, I think, in, in Catholic media or Christian media, I've heard this Critique given by a few, you know, some people is that oftentimes, you know, in a nonprofit, you're working with like lower budgets, or maybe you're working with people that have to go raise their own funding, things like that. And so people get into those areas because they're excited and energized about the mission, but then we sort of leave out the critique of the the stuff that's being produced. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you see this in, like, Christian music, you know, Christian radio, like, some of the music is kind of, like, blah, you know? And and I I listen to it, you know, we do enjoy a lot of it, but it's, like, because because Christians are are loving and nice toward each other, we don't tend to (laughs) compete. You know, we we don't say, this isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. This isn't the level that it needs to be. And so that's what we had, you know, had, had set out to achieve in working with you. And, um, I, I'm seeing a lot more of it now. There's a lot of people that are like, we need to like go toe to toe with the like upper level stuff. We don't, we don't want people just kind of like, well, I guess we'll just put up with it because it's Christian. We want people to be like, no, this is really good, Mm
3: -hmm. really good
1: stuff that we want to watch.
3: Oh, I completely agree with you. I don't even know what spurred those first conversations other than uh, a glass of wine. But, um, you know, the stuff that I don't know if spirit juice was out yet, or it could have even been like Catholics come home. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that's just very visually engaging that you almost don't need to hear every word they're saying. You're just being drawn into it. And so we started talking about things, but we've, we've kind of used that all along through the other projects we've worked on too is, you know, whether it's storytelling. Um, uh, I was I was looking at one that we did, which was just a promotional like a, I don't know if it was 30 seconds or a minute promotional video for an ordination that was coming up. and it was just kind of a you know, just very dramatic uh, music okay. thing with some words underneath it. you know, it was like a trailer. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, but it was just kind of like, okay, let's have some fun. Yeah. Sure. I hope we've had some fun over the years too, going on whatever, we could talk eight to nine years now.
0: Yeah, and uh going and doing like the <clears throat> um seminarian appeal content. That's been fantastic and, and I hope that all of this leads to vocations in my own family because I we've been doing the seminarian videos too for so long that almost every, you know if not every two out of three his stories is like oh yeah there was father bob and father bob would hang out and i just saw what a normal priest could be like in their vocations uh stories often have like just living with uh, a priest or a sister or something like that um and to that point like well, we're now connected through this uh you know obviously we were working together but we are, are also friends and now we're friends and working with you know everyone and kind of in the community and so you know one night we uh, not too long ago had several priests over and it was amazing because we were playing like card games with them and the kids are around that so i think you know aside from potentially the other marketing media other really cool things that can come out of this uh you know evangelization from the actual pieces we create i think there's an opportunity too for you know vocations in my own family so i'm very thankful for that
3: that's awesome Uh, let's go back to the whole priest for our future campaign Mm. because that was awesome work you guys helped us raise 30 million dollars for um the priestly formation of the the future priests of the diocese of madison i mean that's so much 30 million dollars like That's the biggest campaign we've ever, ever done. Part of everybody whose job it was to go out and try to make a pitch to a family or an individual to say, would you be willing, Brian, mm-hmm. to give $1,000 over five years? That, you know, that breaks down to this amount. Um, same thing, 5000 25000 whatever it might be, was they said, watch this video, and then let's talk. So they started with the video. They had mm-hmm. everyone sit there, and what that was a little bit longer. Maybe it was eight, so I don't know what it was. Yeah, um, but it was, let's watch this together, and then let's talk. And then they had their packet. But it started with the video. Like They had a little DVD sleeve in the folder. They opened up the folder, pulled out the DVD, and started. Um, but that, that shoot and that whole thing was... One of the coolest things I've worked on with you guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for me, yeah, I mean- it, it, it was it was super cool too. You know, I. So aside from context, like I'm just so visual, and like looking back on that, and like you're a faith in some of those projects, like I'm still so pleased with what we were able to achieve with you know what we had, and, and you know where we were uh, at the time.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it's cool to hear the priests' individual stories, too, because you don't always get to hear that. You know, you don't hear the reason that they gave their life to this vocation. And, you know, just like the model of early Christians, you know, sharing stories and witnessing to each other, that's what that's what that video was able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, share those. I mean... I'm blanking on his name now, but, um, who is the older priest who's no longer with us? You know, who shared that story about, uh, what does he say? He's like, Monsignor Burke, maybe. I'm not sure. about no. or, uh, it's, it's an older one than that. And he oh, goes and Monsignor he tells
3: Schmelzer. yeah, Delbert smells Yep. Going
1: back to his mom. And he said, you know, yeah, he goes to his mom and says, mother, that's for me. <laughs> Remember that?
0: Oh, that line, yeah,
3: yeah. The other big part of that is I'm thinking about our road trip to Detroit, the three of us.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like
3: that's where everyone in Madison is saying, "Where we going to take a road trip? Let's go to Detroit."
0: (laughs) Yes, that was that was such a fun experience too. I remember going out there as well, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, you know these giant hotels, and there's a lot of jewelry brokers." And I think you were like, yeah, yeah, that's Kalamazoo. Yeah, that's uh, we're passing Kalamazoo. There. <laughs> that's what we have yeah, exactly. here. Exactly. Um, and yeah, then when we were was out actually there,
3: more Dearborn, or Dearborn. But.
0: Dearborn, you're right, um, you're right. That's Dearborn.
3: Let's think of uh, so the two things that stick out from that shoot in Detroit. One, um, Ryan was getting set up for something else, and John and I went to go around the neighborhood to show how because like every other house was either demolished or abandoned or something. It was or burned rough out part of Detroit. Yeah. yeah. It was a really rough. So I'm driving this minivan that we had rented and, uh, John is sitting in the back with a tripod set up with the lens, the barrel of the lens sticking out <laughs> the window. Yeah. So you're, you're setting up a drive by houses. Yeah. And you sit there and as we're going along, going, this isn't the smartest thing we've done in our lives. <laughs>
1: you definitely look like warlords or something, just flying uh, around the corner with a big, big
3: cannon sticking out the window. Yeah, that's, the other part was, yeah. I think we went to the um, guardhouse there where, to go into the seminary where they train the young men to become priests. We went into there and we said, we're here to shoot seminarians. Oh wait, that was
0: the wrong verb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that and like working with schools, like we always joke too, because we said that as well. Like, yeah, we're here, we're here to film with with the students. You're like, oh my gosh, I almost said shoot. I almost <laughs> said shoot <Yeah>. the students.
1: <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about the coolest thing about going to the seminary and you know filming there is that like it's something you'd never get to see you know something Mm -hmm. you never get to experience and man you know like going in there you're like oh man I didn't already have my uh vocation (laughs) to marriage and my family like it it was just amazing to like be in that atmosphere Mm -hmm. um and you can see why it's so powerful as like a foundational uh, moment for for men entering the priesthood. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I bet you're like leaning on that experience a lot throughout the remainder then of your vocation, um, remembering back to the time of seminary and just like a lot of peace everywhere, you know, and like different chapels to go to and uh, the atmosphere of the Evening prayer and mm-hmm.
3: uh, yeah, that was that was fascinating.
0: Well, and, and if certainly you, if you remember that. Oh, go ahead.
3: Sorry. Well, if if you remember that morning with, that we did the uh, one of the shoots, it was mass in the Chaldean rite. So it was um, the the mass that the church in Iraq uh, celebrates. It's that's it's just it's just such a small part of the Catholic world but it's this ritual that only those people that are really in Iraq um, and of course it was in English but um, that's where the people of that's where that that part that church in Detroit sends their seminarians because outside of uh, what's the capital of Iraq
0: yep (laughs) we're we're terrible outside of Baghdad
3: outside of (laughs) Baghdad Outside of Baghdad, they're, the only place that there are more Chaldean Catholics are in Detroit, Michigan, in, in oh, the Archdiocese sure. of Detroit. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. Same thing, the only place outside of Krakow, Poland, are in Chicago. So, I mean, just oh. these, these pockets of immigrants that, are, that pop up. And so Detroit's one of those. But that's the mass we went to. And I just remember that being so beautiful, too. Because it was a little bit different than we might be used to. You and I, Anglo Latin right guys.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: oh, I definitely remember that. I I mean, that that
1: was amazing to take part in and listen to. I think they do the I think they said the Our Father like three different times or something, and then the the melodies are so you know they're like Middle Eastern, um, and to me it was fascinating because I just kept thinking like. This is what this probably sounded like. More, you know, I was thinking about like early, the early Christian church. I'm like, these are the melodies that would have been a part of the part of the mass, part of what they would sing. You know, so I there was something really cool about that. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Yeah, and we we got to see and live that, and I love. It's not it's not for everyone, certainly in the same way. But I can't remember who has said this, but essentially they're saying like as a man you're not discerning unless you're uh, in the seminary and I didn't go to seminary I don't know I don't think either of you went to seminary so again it's not for everyone in the same way but I just love that idea because it's that idea of discernment is going through doors uh, and you know saying yes and then you know changing as needed so to John's point of I don't know what it, what it was, but whatever I saw there and felt there, I'm like, you know, my life could have been very different had I actually experienced something like this. Uh, and, you know, absolutely, I would not uh, change that if I could time travel today, because we have all these wonderful people now in our family, and it's amazing. Um, but I think about that for my sons uh, in their discernment, because they see family and family life 90% of the time, and they only get to see the real lived out uh, priestly life or um, ordained life 10% of the time. And so they're like, no, no, I want to get married and have kids. It looks like fun. But hopefully we can be around them as, and that's, that, isn't that hilarious as married people with children? You're like, oh, God, God bless your little heart that you think that. Um, <clears throat> but just thinking of how to best. Get them positioned to make that choice. Like they have great family examples and I want them to have great, you know, priestly examples. And like for the girls, it's so great that the Sisters of Mary Morningstar are here because they can see that. And we were literally driving into school this morning and the kids are joking around, you know, and talking about, uh, the, this, the playing outside and stuff. And they're like, yeah. And yesterday or whenever it was the sisters, like three of the sisters were having a snowball fight right over here. And I was like, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Like, you see that, and you're not, you know, you don't have the wrong perspective of what that vocation looks like. You have a very, you know, you start to get a more real picture of those people, and it's, it's beautiful. And so I think that can better help our children, uh, or, or any young folk, young folk. Like, how old are we now when, when you said like young, uh, young people or or something uh, going into Are you scenario. guys
3: 35 yet
0: yeah yeah you can you can you can vote for us
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um as a good friend of mine Bishop said you wouldn't ever decide to get married without dating similar it's it's in some ways that's how kind of the seminary would work yeah it might not be for you similarly mm-hmm. you wouldn't want some you wouldn't want a priest to choose to be a priest who never dated, everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you if a kid came in at seventeen years old, seventeen and a half, eighteen, never dated anybody, and said, uh, "I want to be a priest," they would be told, "No, you got to go." I'm not saying you got to go date a girl, but you have to live, go to college for two years, do something.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but similarly, um, you wouldn't want to make a decision with sometimes even for marriage without maybe not in seminary, but seriously considering the idea of a vocation.
2: Mm-hmm. And the,
3: and I think that's the, where we are in our generation. That you guys at least want to propose that to your children. Mm-hmm. I want to propose that to my children. Um, we name our kids after saints, right? Mm-hmm. um, So, we're often... I'm talking to my son, Beckett, whose feast was just, like, two and a half weeks ago. And, like, Hey, buddy. St. Thomas Beckett was killed by the king because he wouldn't do what the king said. Don't you want to be like him when you...
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so,
3: I always always introduce him as the next Archbishop of Canterbury. um, Because after... (laughs) um, After the... Episcopalian and Anglican takeover of the Church of England. Like there, We haven't had a Catholic Archbishop of Canterbury, but my son is going to be the next one. <laughs> so Brent, how much
1: time, well, you don't have to answer on a time or percentage basis, maybe just tell us a little bit about the challenges of I imagine that there is a challenge being the, you know, communications director for a diocese, you know, not getting hung up only on responding to uh you know, like defending yourself, but being able to put out messaging that is like positive, you know, that, that you're not always like on your heels reactionary, but that you're you know, also trying to like get out the message too.
3: Mm -hmm. no um, I guess a lot of that has to do with why I even first engaged with both of you and your whole team was we need to be more proactive rather than reactive Um, you know the whole year of faith series starting from there everything else we've produced has always been trying to lead with the positive but then there's also got to be reaction from the other side whether it's okay what's the next step for you um, so that, I mean I guess that, that, that's why I have worked with you guys so much is we want to make this attractive to people we want to pitch the truth there's always going to be that part of me that has to deal with all of the reactionary type things you know right now more of my time is spent with the proactive stuff the good positive stuff Since Bishop Hyang has been here in June 26th, well, might have been a day or two before that, June of 2018, no, 19, 2019, we have pushed out over 350 videos. Mm -hmm. Those moments with the bishop, Um, and I thank you guys for the way that the help you guys have given me to like just teach me how to do things quickly on my own. Um, you know, yes, we have our prescription, our, prescription, our subscription to um, Adobe Suite and the Premiere Pro and all that kind of stuff, and then I can, where it took me an hour to do something mm-hmm. two years ago, now I can do it in 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just, you know, I wake up at 6 in the morning, put it together, send it out. But that's over 350 videos that Bishop Hying has put out. That reaches a lot of people every day, you know, Mm -hmm. over social media, direct email through Flocknote, which is a thing we use. Um, I think we're more geared toward the proactive, Mm -hmm. but always ready for the reactive, Um, which is a big change from where I came in in 2002, which was on our heels. Sitting there, going, "What's coming next? What's coming next? What's coming next?" Now you always have to ask yourself, "What's coming next?" But and maybe be ready. But the the big, the most important thing is, uh, how are we going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? And if that's where we're coming from, then we always have to be the more proactive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's been a crazy year. We keep hearing that and we keep saying that and I'm kind of done saying that and hearing it. But for you, like what, what did that look like? You know, in terms of you have a capability and you can do a lot of stuff, which is, you know, every organization needs that. You got to be able to do stuff in house. It's, you know, it's economical, but then it's practical too, cause you can go much, much faster. Um, but then. You know, we can't gather in, in person and everyone's going streaming, everyone's trying to put out online content, like what, I guess, what was like March, April, and May like for you? Was it different? Was it not? What, you know?
3: <laughs> what was it, it was like? very different. <laughs> uh, so there were about, there are a handful of us that were in the office almost every day. Part of it was just because of the work that we needed to do. I would say that um, the two biggest things were, because everything was shut down, how do we get people to get engaged with their church? And uh, it's twofold. One, how do you get people to actually pray and worship if they can't be there in person, which they weren't allowed to do for a couple months? I am um, I was trying to look it up real quick here, but how many um, parishes of ours have at least some kind of online streaming video or not even if not streaming recorded or and where it where we're over we're getting to half or over half of mm-hmm. 130 102 parishes so that I think there were 47 maybe 60 a lot of our churches have live streaming or or recorded masses for parishioners
2: mm-hmm
3: I think the, the another part was we brought on a diocesan-wide subscription to a thing called Flocknote. And Flocknote is a mm-hmm. way to engage. Uh, I think John knows this for St. Mary's. I don't know if IHM uses it. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic.
3: But, it, I mean, through the school it's, perfect, it's great, but then also through the parish, it's a way to get the word out about upcoming things, whether but it's that connectivity, that connection that you need to have with your parish. Um, so we did that in early, not early, but mid to late March, we just made the decision, okay, we're going to do this diocesan-wide and make it available to every single parish in the diocese, which is 11 counties, 102 parishes, um, 46 schools, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: how do we engage with these people? Um, I guess the third thing that came to mind was, um, regardless of... Of if people are going to church. The church needs to keep the lights on. church needs to be able to pay its uh, heating bill and stuff like that. So it was also engaging with people early on about uh, watch things online and if you can, please keep contributing to your parish. Mm-hmm. Which um, I had never had a consistent... I'd given online, you know, for this appeal or that appeal mm-hmm. or oh, I didn't give in church this week, let me go online and give $10. But the idea of just having a consistent, both at the diocesan level and the parish level, of I'm going to give $75 a month to the diocese, and I'm going to give $20 a week to my parish. Mm-hmm. You know, just to make a decision about an amount and do it. That That's one thing that changed within me personally, but that's also something that we encourage to others
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah and i
3: love you guys and you maybe you guys were way ahead of me
0: yeah i mean at ihm uh, i helped them we helped them kind of get up their online donations two years previous so there were i can't remember maybe like 10 percent of people using the online donation system and then when COVID hit you know obviously we tried to get everyone over to online donations Uh, and i think uh, we saw a huge spike in that that use in that that system Um, but yeah, I, I also, I found the whole thing again, an opportunity to really engage the family and engage everyone here in our faith. And it was fantastic. And, and some of those things we've kind of kept some of those attitudes or behaviors because we would, uh we would do processions around the house you know to an opening song or something you know with a little kid carrying a crucifix and and all that stuff and you know uh in in the best way it, that we could possible you know we're trying to enter into worship from afar utilizing whatever we have available um and i think it was it was awesome the response how quickly it was that people got up and running and even the flock note, which we're still using now. Um, it's, it's just like leaps and bounds. It's, it's so funny. It's like a simple technology, but sometimes it takes things like, you know, uh, pandemic. I hopefully it doesn't, we don't require (laughs) this too many times to do awesome things, but just to improve communication, like you were saying, to simplify, improve it. It makes it simple on the admin side, on the parish and the staff and, and the pastor side. But then for us, it's so nice and easy and simple instead of, getting emailed a PDF or a doc X file or, you know, something, something silly. Cause so I think we, you know, I think there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of good that's come out of that in terms of how we interact and, you know, a concentration of the good to some degree.
1: Well, and you always hope that good can come out of trial, you know, that, that God can work all things for, you know, the good of those who are, who love him. I don't remember the that quote but um you know i think everybody being shoved back into their living rooms and their homes inspired a lot of us to like well you know we're gonna have to watch mass online today so in addition to watching it online we're also kind of setting up a home altar Mm -hmm. or something like that and really that doesn't go away when we go back you know in person like that's something that w- was a good thing that we should have had all along, and the the trial sort of like uh, forced the uh, creativity and and forced you know people coming up with um, new ways to interact with the mass. Similar, you know, on the business side of things, um, I think everybody realizes like video. And streaming video and live video is not going away. Um, when we return to you know sort of normal or the status quo, these things that kind of had to had to come out of necessity, there are times when they are really valuable. Now I'm ready to like not be having all video meetings anymore, <laughs> but you know there's there's. Uh, there's a value to just the reminder that, like, you know, my my relatives that live a lot further away that I see two times a year, I'm still only going to see them two times a year after this, the new normal. But why don't I engage with them on video more often? You know, I'm not... Not that I'm seeking to go to the level that we've been forced into, but, like, there's just been... Um, you know, necessity drives innovation and change and creativity and things like that. So that's the, the silver lining, I guess.
0: Yeah, good things. You know,
3: and if if uh, we hadn't we hadn't started in June of nineteen with Bishop Hyng's mm-hmm. moment with the bishop that we've been putting out all the time, and then we switched to block note, which we got thousands more people watching every day. But if we hadn't started that six months earlier or nine months earlier, I would have been so far behind the eight ball that I would have been trying to, but it was like, okay, I know how to do this. I can get his, but he was able to engage with, you know, I don't know exactly how many people. Uh, I've tried to run some of the analytics, uh, but, you know, whether it's through social media, direct email and other things, he's still engaged with people that want to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been very, very helpful. But it's like, that, that, that's one thing that be ahead of the curve on the media, if you can, on the, on the technology. So as you're not caught sitting there going, how do I live mm-hmm. stream mass, which I give a credit, to everybody who did that with this, their iPhone or their iPad or their computer, which a lot of them were doing. And I, I give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Um, but just for you, you guys, you guys helped me set up things, whether it was um, the ULive that I ended up purchasing and some other things, that I can use that uh, very simply to, to just broadcast anything. So. Mm-hmm. And that's a super valuable point because I've had a
1: few different people ask me, like, well, you know, what kind of camera, what do I need to do for streaming? How do we do this thing? And I'm like, right here. Like, you've got the whole thing. It's wireless. It has a video camera. It streams. You know, like, there are times that you need something more complex, you know, and you can set up a whole big system. But, you know, again, it's like, not only were we forced to think creatively and forced to uh, come up with some new ideas, we also have the tools at our fingertips. You know, like, when else have we been more prepared to go virtual, you know, and and to not be mm-hmm. connected? Like, th- you could imagine many other uh, generations in life where this kind of a shutdown would have, like, I mean, it was already devastating, but it, where it would have just been even more, you know,
0: yeah. whatever have more. Yeah, if we couldn't talk to our friends or our family, if we couldn't still work, you know, instead of 14% unemployment, like, what? Well, how crazy would that be? And, you know, I hope it's not a, not a hundred year thing, you know, 1920s and then, uh, 2020 sort of deal, uh, 2120, but, um, we are positioned so well and it was it was great to be able to jump into uh, more maybe more communion in some way so again you know it was very devastating in a lot of different ways but we we played more game nights uh with friends and family who we didn't get to see as often which was really fantastic you know positive things like that i did before i moved on uh brent when you were saying like had you not been set up with Flocknote, you would have been, and that's what I saw, and that's what I heard in my mind. You were like, we would have been, but uh, you took it a different way because you're not only are you a director of communications, you're a master uh, of communications. So we do we do have a couple questions uh, from Emily. So one. One's more fun. What's your favorite movie? But I don't want you to answer that right now. You can answer that after. The other one is, what does your job look like on a day-to-day basis?
3: Uh, I tell lots of people that, um, well, I tell too many people that (laughs) the the worst thing about being a communications director is that you have to be part of everything. And then I say the best thing about being a communications director is you get to be part of everything. So it's the have-to part and the get-to part. So it's everything that's good or bad. It's, hey, we've got a new hire today. Can you announce it? Mm. Uh, Sure, I can do that. Yeah, Um, I've got got nothing else to do. Happy to do it. Yeah, (laughs) it's taking um, the calls from the the press that are the worst calls that you ever want to get. Like, we heard that One of your parishioners at IHM just did this. What do you want to say about that? Nothing. Um, Yeah, you're like like Ryan's
0: Ryan's mostly a trustworthy guy.
3: Yeah, but then then (laughs) there's the, the best side of it, which is, okay, we want to roll out this initiative to try to reach as many people who aren't going to church right now that we need to try to get back to church. How do we think that through from A to Z? Now, it gets exhausting, but sometimes there's that too. Day-to-day, uh, yeah, it's a lot of email. Um, there are too many meetings. Mm-hmm. But then there's all... Uh, I, I have a whiteboard over here with the just tracking what I've been doing for the last week with everything. And the, yeah, there are probably maybe 100 email on there and things like that. But there are also all the other things of sitting there and saying, um, how do we make this new employee feel at home. Okay, we have a staff catechesis this day, and let's make sure he's welcomed. But then another part of it is um, this past week we had a staff catechesis in our office, which is just, you know, learning about the faith deeper with the bishop. And in that, uh, I used a system that I worked with you guys on to, um, to live stream it for those employees of ours. Who are still at home, whether it's because of kids or sickness or other things, and so we had 14—just, I mean, 14 staff members watching from home. But I was up in the choir loft doing all the switching and you know zooming and everything like that between the couple cameras that we already have set up. Uh, So, I mean, that's part of the day to day. Yeah, we had interviews this week. The the press came into our office. the good part about being communications director for the diocese of Madison is I'm the only one I'm a one man show. So yeah, it's, um, sometimes it's doing the graphic art. Sometimes it's doing, it's doing all the videos. I guess that's a big part of it. I do I've done 350 videos for the Bishop, um, that I use my phone for, but that, like John just said, we've got a technology right here. We mm-hmm. don't need to go set up a camera. Mm-hmm. I, I bought a cool, you know, Little tripod that's got all the balancing and everything like that in it. That's been super helpful. But I upload it to the iCloud and then I edit it at home at night. mm mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. and when I'm, I'm very curious too. Like, how do you handle your kind of larger tasks, ongoing projects? How do you do that day to day? When someone could just call you and just blow up your day. You know, a reporter calls you and you're like, "Okay, I can't just give them an answer. Now I have to go find this out and figure this out and or or something comes up like, "Oh, we need to do this." How do you how do you kind of manage your day? Do you try to schedule like half your day and then leave the rest open or like what do you do?
3: I guess I have my priorities of this is what has to get done today and leave uh, this is what I want to get done today and then you have to leave some room for um, chaos and mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes chaos takes over the whole thing mm-hmm. um, I think in the last few days I've had a couple things that came up where I said a day later sorry I'm a day late here's what I promised you, you take it from here uh, but it's kind of those that priority of this is what I have, like thinking it through before you open your eyes you're awake but you're not really awake okay, this is what I have to get done today, this is what I want to get done today, and I know things. other things are going to come up. Um, it's great when those days come where nothing else comes <laughs> up. I mean, just this week, it was pretty easy. We had a TV crew wanting to come in and talk to the bishop about vaccinations.
2: Hmm.
3: And so we said, okay, come at noon. So they did. And it was five minutes and easy, but Nice. You know, it was something we hadn't prepared for in the beginning of the day, but it also didn't alter the rest of my day.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. And in a in another topic too, I was just looking at your video. It looks great. You said you're on your phone. Are you? I am. Yeah, I mean that's that's to John's point of like how awesome it can be. Like the resolution is awesome. I think your resolution is actually better than John's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, macbook camera yeah you know it's probably ten, eight 8 or 10 years old probably like 8 years old now so you can just see the technology difference there
1: that's true i should probably switch over to my phone as well
0: actually yeah that's that's not a terrible I, idea you know,
1: I, hadn't thought, I hadn't thought of that at all but <laughs> i think it's gonna happen i got this my mom got me this uh nice little new ring light for yeah. christmas and it has a um uh like a bendy arm
0: phone like holder. mount.
3: Thing. Right in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Let's do that next week. It's gonna happen. You're gonna be it's gonna on happen. the phone. You'll you'll be a If I were at hand.
3: home, I probably wouldn't use my phone just because of uh, signal. I've been on too many yeah. calls where I walk out into the sidewalk or street where I'm like just trying to get like a zoom call or something like that where I need to have the best signal I can get. Yeah. So that, that that's funny. funny.
0: Do you not have Inter- good internet, reliable internet at home.
3: We do, but usually when I'm taking a call, with I want to be a little bit more discreet. Where I'm, I don't want my kids to listen to everything I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> or you, you don't want to show the here. I'll, I'll put this on on the stream. You don't want to show the giant mess behind you. Uh, exactly, you're, you're changing your room around or whatever.
3: I, I moved my home, my like office back in March. I moved it. Into the piano room that flows out of the toy room, so it's like it is complete chaos. It's <laughs> my girls' piano stuff thrown up like confetti every day. Yeah, and then yeah. the toys that keep coming out that I just kick back in. So. There's only
1: there's only one angle in here that that looks. I even shifted. There's only one angle in here that looks sort of sort of nice, and it's what we have the wall with the instruments hanging on it. But everywhere else in here is pretty chaotic. Also, I don't know why I did this, but we, it looks really cool. So we took the ceiling down in here at one point because it was old, really bad, like ceiling tile. And we left it open because it has a cool look and we painted the rafters, but it's like, it's the music room, but it's just like, there's no like sound barrier. It's just, so, if we're like playing over in the other room over there, it just comes right in here, or if we're stopping in the in the dining room above me <laughs> it's great
0: we're going to jump into uh favorite movie because it tells us so much about you uh and it can be it can be intellectual, it could be your island movie, the movie that you would want, the one movie you'd want on an island because you'd watch it over and over, or your favorite movie that you could only ever watch one watch once for whatever reason so Brent what uh What's your favorite movie?
3: Because we were talking about the other thing, I wasn't thinking about it. But (laughs) I want to give my gut reaction sometimes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, just... um, I really am a big fan of The Godfather. And not for the morals that it portrays, not because of, you know, any heroes that are in there or anything like that. But the drama, um, even the reactions of of the individuals, I mean, the, the, the actors involved are mm-hmm. the best actors in the last 50 years. Um, but I probably watched The Godfather, not maybe more than any other movie. I mean, Princess Bride might be more than anything else. Oh, nice. Or um, a couple others like that. But if you said what's your favorite movie? Yep. I almost watch The Godfather each time like I've never watched it again, trying to pick up something new. Um and you know, I love the evolution and of the whole series of, of Godfather movies of Michael Corleone, just the this guy that or the the parallels between father and son and the godfather part two. Like they didn't want this, they didn't choose this but they got roped into it and they can't get out of it. Um no, I guess the if you it's not it's not the it, it's cheating but it's kind of the Godfather movies.
0: Yeah, that that's legit. I mean, even cinematically and uh story-wise there's a lot to love in there and I was watching something recently which is kind of like the analysis on I believe it's the first Godfather where there's the baptism scene and then the like murder there's like juxtaposition. One
3: for one. Each time Michael makes a promise, somebody else is killed. Every every time.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and how powerful that technique was used in a way that it hadn't been used uh, quite like that before. So I think there's a lot of things. But also goes to
3: show the the um, you know the sadly how how evil some people who profess such serious things are being at the same time. You know, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: it's.
0: That's great! Oh, you might be getting a phone call. Yeah, uh, yeah, we still hear you. Yeah, you're back. I was gonna say, yeah, that's that's really fun as well. Now we see a chair. Um, you're like my favorite movie as a Catholic is a movie about some of the worst Catholics.
1: There's a lot of things oh, okay. that you can learn about from. Yeah. From, you're back. Uh, there's a lot of things you can learn from from movies like that. You know, or like. A lot of people, I've actually heard a ton of Catholics talk about the show Breaking Bad, which has a ton of bad stuff in it, mm-hmm. but it stays, you know, stays centered on the truth that you can't win doing bad things, mm-hmm. you know, that that you will fail.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that, will... that shows about the descent uh, of sin or, you know um to darkness of a good man like that's that's the whole point of the show is to show that contrast you can read more about that which is fascinating so yeah i mean i love the godfather as well and if you watch a movie like the godfather and you're like yeah let's you know let's go get some guns and be like say hello to my little friend you know uh or that Scarface, i guess uh but if you want (laughs) to do stuff like that like chop off a horse's head and put it in somebody's bed You've got more problems than a movie can help you with. You know, <laughs> yeah. like if you watch that movie and come off and you're like, man, that makes me think about some stuff, uh, that's probably a, a good movie, I think.
3: Yeah, I guess that that's the part of it is the whole um, hypocrisy part of it that some people get, they get sold into, but they weren't there in the beginning, you know, like, or even sin that. Started out a righteous man, mm. you got to here. Then all of a sudden, you get you start getting drawn into something, and then you want out, but then you're stuck and you can't get out. Um, I mean, I'll criticize Godfather Part Three as much as anybody else, but <laughs> Al Pacino's character Michael just ends up falling over dead alone in this you know villa, and it's just like he like it's not a happy death. Mm -hmm. Uh, his life of crime did not work for itself. It it took
0: a couple of movies to figure that out, but yeah. (laughs) So now we kind of are reaching uh, the point where we should wind down and, uh, we're going to play a little game called two truths and a lie. We haven't played it in many weeks. And I even gave you a heads up because I knew we would talk, you know, very, uh, a long time. And I like to, uh, not, or I like to make sure that we don't take too much of your time that we keep to the schedule that we put out there. So we're going to play truths in a Lie. We'll start with, let's start with John, uh, then we'll go me, and then we'll save you, Brent, for last. I know you've already hopefully come up with some, some things, but uh, we'll start with John. Thank
3: you for tipping me off, because if you put me on the spot for that one, <laughs> it would have been too short. It would have been, uh, I like cats. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like I cats. Don't.
0: <laughs> so I'm like, well, one of those is a lie. One of those. Yeah. All right. What do you got, John? So, who's
3: going first? All right,
0: Johnny boy. Let's see. Let me throw up a graphic. Okay. Boom. True, truth, and a lie.
1: Oh boy, these might these are going to be short and sweet today. I think. Good. Um. All right. I have been a stone's throw from a saint.
0: A uh, living saint.
3: I've said what I have said. <laughs> now I do we guess each time or no?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll
0: wait until he does all three.
1: Because you might need contacts. You might you might want to put pair them together.
0: And and usually he answers the question, but not for that first one. Uh,
1: I have never downhill skied. Mm. And my third one. I have never had poison
3: ivy.
0: There you go. Yeah, and we, we're allowed to discuss as well, and, Brent, I'll have you guess first because I have a little bit more knowledge in some of these things. But these are these are good ones.
3: So I know John's an outdoorsy guy. Um, I know that he likes to go up to the boundary waters, and he likes to get outdoors and camp and do those types of things. So that's where Poison Ivy is taking me a little bit each way, where I'm saying if he's allergic to it, he's probably had it. So that's with that. Uh, what was number two? Uh, downhill ski. Uh, he's John, did you grow up in Iowa? South Dakota. And then, and then Wisconsin. That's South- the hills are not so plentiful <laughs> in South Dakota, especially Eastern, or eastern Dakota. Wisconsin. Or, and then, yeah. Um, Southeast. I'm thinking you have been a stone's throw away from Saint, um, whether it be, I'm thinking you have. Even Pope St. John Paul II or somebody else. But, I think
0: I'm going with poison ivy. You're in poison ivy. This is a good one. I also want people to guess at home. So anybody, anybody watching, John's are uh, he's been a stone's throw away from a saint. No other clues given. Uh, number three was poison ivy. You've you've never uh, had poison ivy or gotten poison. Whatever. I don't know how you say that. You don't. You don't get it.
1: <laughs> I've never had it.
0: Okay, you never you never had it. And then number two, you've never downhill skied? Right. Yeah. So let us know what you have at home. There might be a 10 or 20-second delay. And then what, Brent, you picked? Poison Ivy? Yep. You picked Poison Ivy. Okay. So I'm going to do a quick analysis on this. So trying to think of a saint. I mean, it's possible. So St. Maria Goretti's body did come through uh, Madison, and you wouldn't answer my question. So maybe... You saw her body, um, which was awesome. And I'm trying to think wow. of... What's that?
1: It'd be a giveaway, I think, if I gave any more context.
0: Yeah, don't give yeah. any more context. Um, I'm trying to think of your like European travels, like if you've been around uh, other you know, saints' tombs or, or bodies or anything. And then I'm trying to think, I, I, if you've ever been to like, World Youth Day... Uh, you know been around like jp2 or something like that but then again ooh, i think that might be true did you did you say like your no your sister shook a president's hand now i'm now i'm mixing up all the truths and lies <laughs> that that john has uh put out there
1: it was Ree- we- reese witherspoon
0: <laughs> reese weese weese witherspoon uh emily says skiing is a lie here let me see if i can pull that up um downhill skiing and then poison ivy this is good I don't know so you you pick poison ivy Emily picked skiing I guess I'll pick the third one so one of us wins uh I'm gonna pick let's see if I can get this question up there go there we go let's get rid of that there Emily halfman I think skiing's a lie I'm gonna pick the saint so what is it John one two or three who's right
1: Oh man, you know what? It it, it wasn't until just this. Yeah, I don't think I've done this. I think everybody other other guests has done this. I, Did you I thought I had really good ones, and then I realized that they're all truths. <laughs> oh, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> that's uh, that's really funny. It, it completely uh, somehow. It's weird. You wouldn't think the game would be that hard to just do it that way. But so, yeah, one of these I was going to put in a lie, and then I just wrote three truths. Um,
0: So we all lose? So
1: I think I I lost. Actually, I lost that round somehow. Um, Yeah, I have been uh, just, just, I don't know, 20 feet from... uh, Hope St. John Paul II uh, in World Youth Day in Toronto. We actually were over by a like a road where we saw a helicopter land. And we're like, "Oh, what's going on over there?" Because we were not even oh, close. No. <laughs> we weren't even close to the main stage, but we like ran over to this road, and we were right on the right on the fence. You know, as as he went by in the um, in the popemobile.
3: Was um, it a moderate? Um, stone throw or like you with all your might, like I can do, I know I can make it 90 yards. Uh, we were just, no,
1: it was just you know, if you were like fenced off from a road with some comfortable room you know, to it that's, that's where you went by. Um, and then I never have downhill skied. I've done cross country skiing but I've never had a pair of downhill skis strapped to my feet I and mean, then going downhill. You go downhills when you're cross-country skiing. But, uh, and then, yeah, man, what a failure I am. I Yeah, I've never had poison ivy. I, I never, um, never contracted it. You know, our good friend John Campbell is very good about pointing it out on the path when we're going by it up there. Um, and I've always just had long pants and good, Good footwear and stuff, so I haven't, haven't contracted. I don't know if I'm allergic or not to it. I know some people aren't.
0: And this is also the point in the stream apparently where Facebook disconnected us.
1: It's just dead. It's just broken.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to reconnect. Uh, I'll, I'll get it. We'll, we'll, well, this is being recorded, so I'll get that up. So give me just a sec. Yeah, interesting. Let me. I don't
1: me... know which one, of which, which of those I was going to. <laughs> See, that's the thing about this challenging about the game is you come up with some things that you think people don't know and then, you know, there are going to be facts in the affirmative, you know, like these are things about me and then you're going to lie about one of them. Yeah. And if you forget to do that, <laughs> when you write them down.
0: That's the best part of it. Not writing it down and then cheating.
1: <laughs> Why well,
2: okay. wrote it down?
0: So let me see if if I don't get it back there, we'll just finish offline and it'll be recorded and put up later. Um, yeah, <clears throat> let me change this real quick. Sorry, give me give me a second. Uh, talk amongst yourselves.
1: I see some uh, moving around happening on. Oh no, it's it's the live video is being interrupted. Yeah. So, yeah, I was in uh, Toronto when World Youth Day was there in, like, 2002-ish. And um, that was pretty cool. I was in high school. um, And I didn't have, like, a super deep commitment to my faith at the time. Um, But I was just, like, a like, yeah I'll go I'll go do that thing kind of guy you know so like um, I, w- I did a lot of things you know like I served in church and I would like lead worship at the youth mass and stuff but um, just because I was involved in everything and then it was like oh sweet a trip to you know somewhere else to go see the Pope yeah let's do it and uh, it was it was pretty awesome. It, it turned out to be a really, really cool trip. Um, they had this... They had a... Uh, so we did the pilgrimage. I think all of them probably have a pilgrimage, right? Where you, like, start somewhere and then you walk basically to where the main stage area is. So we walked 12 miles out to where the... It was at the airport, like, held out at the out on the runway or something of, you know, the airport and I don't know if you weren't allowed or if we just didn't do it. There were some people that had small tents but I don't know if you were supposed to have a tent but we did stay sleep out there. Like we walked out, you know um They did the opening thing, you know, the evening before worship music and things like that. And then we like slept out there and we had our sleeping bags and we like had them like a big sheet. We each had like a big sheet of plastic that we like put over our sleeping bags. And we when we woke up in the morning, it was like we woke up early and it was just starting to sprinkle a little bit. And I pulled out, like, a little, you know, travel umbrella and popped it up and just kind of, like, put it over where my my head and shoulders were sticking out and, like, held it over me. And, like, a few minutes later, it was an all-out downpour. Just, (laughs) like, giving it. Just, and it was hilarious. Like, I think I actually did sleep for, you know, a little while longer, just kind of in the peaceful, like, you know drowning sound of the downpouring rain, but people were like yelling and running everywhere because people were d- we were just getting drenched except for, you know, those of us that have like covered our stuff in plastic. But I, we weren't like intense. It was so weird.
0: Let's see. What's our time here? Um, I can do mine real quick uh, because they are very short and hopefully the internet doesn't go down and then we'll get back to Brent and we'll hear some truths and some lies so let me pull my notes here so three things Uh, I've stolen from a store with my magic skills Uh, I've been paid for my magic skills or I've been hypnotized by magic skills so uh, there's a little bit of a trend there magic skills it's great. A <laughs> Exactly. You go first, Brent.
3: Yeah, I go I give you credit for having a theme because that probably would have helped me come up with mine as well. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to jump straight to my guess saying you've never stolen with your magic skills. Uh, I, I can see you off and getting paid for it. <laughs> and I can see that you might have allowed yourself to try to be hypnotized. So I'm gonna <laughs> say you haven't yeah,
0: That's very kind of you. Number one. Right, uh, I'm, go
1: boy. I, I'm going to say the hypnosis is the lie because it requires agreement with the power of suggestion <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it I mean it's it's hard if you're a skeptic at all um, I think I think you've got to have people who are like really like willing mm-hmm. to go for it um, the other ones I could see um, I don't know if I've I've stolen but I think all of us when we're young you know there's at some point where you're like I wonder if I?" even if you're just curious I wonder if we could get away with this um, yeah sure well, do you blame his magic skills
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point alright so
1: it's kind of a dead giveaway. hold up a candy bar and you're just like oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> I what was the third one that you didn't guess so you guessed John you guessed that I um, you did not get hit with that did not get hit in size Brent that I did not steal and my third one was that I've been paid So, I've never been paid for magic skills. Uh, In college, two of my buddies, we actually purchased like magic DVDs and like learned how to do sleight of hand and stuff. And we would like go to parties and we'd just be like, yeah, mm, think of a card. Mm." And we do like casual magic, which is like so much fun. It finished with levitating. It was a blast. Um, And then I have stolen. Uh, This is funny. It's, It's kind of meta. I've stolen Magic the Gathering cards with sleight of hand Uh, as as like a I don't know, elementary kid walked in there and was like, oh, this is really interesting. Let me just reach up there and it slips down my my shirt or whatever. So, I don't promote stealing, but as a child I did that once. Um, And I I didn't get caught either but that was enough Like just understanding what I did was wrong that I never did it again. Um, but uh, that came out of magic practice. And then hypnotized. I, I'll, say, I'll say that I was hypnotized. I was like half hypnotized because I like woke up pretending to be a chicken. So it didn't, it didn't really work, uh, you know, because I, I, I was totally skeptical and whatever. But I remember sitting there and then kind of relaxing. And then I was on the ground and I was like, and it had only been like 10 seconds. Like I'd gotten down on the ground and started uh, clucking like a chicken or something. But I was like, you know, and then I slowed down and stopped. And they're like, okay, great. Thank you so much. You can sit down. Because I think, like, John, you're saying they can kind of recognize the people that aren't as susceptible and they just kick yeah. me out of the show.
1: Which, yeah, they're not going to they're not gonna take you to the next level.
0: Right. And I was looking at my old yearbooks from, like, 2002 and 2001. Like, there was always a hypnotist at my, at my school. Like, that was one of the entertainment assemblies that they would do was bring a hypnotist. Which is weird. I mean, yes. it, it was also the Red Devils, so there you go. But uh, all right, now for the finale, Brent. I know you had some right. time to prep for this. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready I to get,
3: hear. Uh, I'm, ready to I'm ready to hear it. Okay. Well, when I was 19, and backpacking through Europe um, after a study abroad thing. I got a surprise call from a friend saying, tomorrow, if you and your friends want to meet with the Pope, meet us at the, this door in the Vatican. Number two, I met my wife at a bar while I was on a date with another woman.
2: Oh.
3: <laughs> number three, I once was quoted in a newspaper saying, Catholics believe that Seventh-day Adventists Are members of a cult.
0: (laughs) That one hundred percent sounds correct. I mean, to 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 be misquoted seems like a part of your job. Like that's just (laughs) going to happen. Yeah, you go, Brent, or you go, John.
1: I think I'm going to go with the meeting his wife at a bar one. It sounds like a good story, but it's. But the other ones that seem fantastic, I I know you've, I'm pretty sure you've been in an audience with the Pope, or I feel like I've seen a picture of you. I could just be making that up. Um, But it seems plausible that you would have wound up in a situation like that. Um, And then being misquoted, I agree with. So I'm gonna go with the second one, meeting your wife at a bar while you're on another date yeah let's see
0: yeah well I mean I'm not super strong on that one because I could also see uh, like I met my wife when I was dating somebody else so Monica and I met and I was dating somebody else at the time so I could see that happening I could definitely see that happening Um, what was it specifically you met your wife at a bar but she was on a date with somebody else
3: no,
0: I was on a date with somebody else. Oh, you were on a date with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, again, that's I met my wife. I wasn't on a date, so that maybe that's the part, being on a date. Um, the misquote, yeah, that seems like a given. It's also just short and pithy, which sometimes is just an obvious truth. Other times, it's a really good way to lie. Um, and the Backpacking Through Europe... I want to believe that's true. Yeah, you're getting us with the detail. I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to get us with a small detail. Like, maybe this is not your story. This is like a sibling story or a friend's story. Um, but I'm going to go with that one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to What's that?
3: Make your guess.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the first one. If you want to meet the Pope, come to this door. I'm going to say that's the lie.
3: Uh, I wasn't trying to trick anybody with, uh, well, I was 19 and I was only really 21 or anything like that. Um, no, that happened. Uh, the, in in uh, 1997, uh, while friends and I were in Rome, we got a call from the then Father Morlino saying, meet us tomorrow morning at the bronze door. <laughs> and we showed up. Uh, six of us were do the math again. Five of us were allowed to come up and meet Pope John Paul II. It was awesome. We got delayed for a second with the Swiss Guard and I had a friend who had a foul mouth who was sitting in there swearing up a storm and I kept saying to myself, you're going to get us killed. <laughs> um, so, no, but we got to go into a private, quick private audience with Pope St. John Paul II. John, you're right, I posted that online and more than once, um, especially uh-huh. when he was declared a saint. I said, Apparently, it's post a picture of yourself in the saint day. Um, now, after your to, I totally missed.
0: Of- I totally missed John's analysis there. I was like writing them down, and I must not have paid attention <laughs> to his analysis on that one.
3: Uh, John uh, Ryan, you said uh, that I. Uh, Sorry, uh, the other truth was that I was once quoted as saying the Catholics believe that the Seventh-day Adventists um, are members of a cult. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that I was entirely misquoted, but I would say that I wasn't, I didn't know that I was ever going to be quoted.
0: <laughs> yeah, or, or, or like Twitter, context false, you know, like,
3: but, like there's um, more context I had, to this. I had a, this was a, a college friend of mine who called me up. He worked for a small newspaper. He said, uh, what can you tell me about Seventh-day Adventists? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like that. And like, he's like a, a long-time friend of mine. And I'm like, okay, well, and so I kind of went through. I'm like, well, you know, Mormons, and well, we were friends with them and stuff like that, and Seventh-day Adventists, and don't get me in trouble here, guys. Um, and, <laughs> uh, you know, Jehovah's Witness, and we started talking about some of these groups that are, they believe a lot of what Christians believe, but they also have but other things. But they're not things.
0: Christian,
2: yeah.
3: And so, anyway, he just wrote it in the paper, and I was like, "What the <laughs> heck are you doing?" <laughs> so, That's um, amazing. so the lie is that I met my wife at a, my wife at a bar oh. uh, while on a date with another man. Uh, well, I was on a date with another woman. Um, I met my wife at a lecture at Edgewood College. It, the, the subject of the lecture was how the how things that affect the family are kind of perpetuated. Things kind of as normal as divorce. Things mm. things like adoption and other things like that. And how the the best home for a child are your own biological child raised by mom and dad but we know that's not always the case mm-hmm. but how those kind of self perpetuate themselves it was just a sociologist um he himself was a an outsider of that he himself was a demo, uh a part of a divorced family so um he was not saying right or wrong. He wasn't judging anybody. Anyway, I was sitting next to this woman and, who was volunteering there, and we started up a conversation, and now here we are. And then the, the embarrassing part for me, and she likes to tell this story, is the next day we had one of our Therese lectures, which was on the same subject of, you know, kind of like the demographics of how children should be raised. Um, just signed, just sociologically. Um, and I said, oh, we got interrupted last night. Can we keep uh, this discussion going on? And then the bishop came over and tapped me on the shoulder and said, I need you. So I, I found her online and sent her a message. I'm like, would you ever like to have a meeting sometime? Or something like that. So she teases me to the day going, you said a meeting. Like <laughs> it was like going out for lunch or a dinner or something, but it was, you, you kept saying a meeting. So yeah, other than the bishop's um, moments with the bishop that are not quite daily, but a lot. And then the other would be, just in general, his evangelization initiative that um, I know John's involved in with his parish, that is just trying to get Catholics reinvigorated with not only evangelizing themselves, like getting to know Jesus themselves. But then, what's that next step? Once you have something there, how do you spread it? How do you take it to the next step? Um, we're still in those initial stages, but it's all on our website, MadisonDiocese.org. And um, you know, how do we um, how do we first fall in love with God, and then take that love and spread it?
0: That's awesome. So, John, what else you got for me
3: today? I have
1: nothing else for you
0: (laughs) it is national hat day or something like hashtag holiday
1: it is national hat day Day. i'm glad you asked ryan (laughs) Uh, people are wondering what is today's national day It is national hat day i don't know who comes up with these national days but now we have them social media has spoken and said it is so and so it is thus it's hat day Go check out our backflip channel. See all the hats, all the hats that everyone's wearing.
0: Uh, I recommend is, the it stocking is the cap. It is the mm. yeah. Have you, oh yeah, yeah. You're, uh, Anna, I think. Uh, do you wear it much? Your kids wear it. I,
3: so my kids, my so you guys gave me some hats. Um, I didn't. It was like over break that I got them, so I didn't know exactly what to do. So I took them home, and oh, I came 100%. home one day, and I see these kids sliding down this hill across from our house (laughs) and they're wearing these backflip film hats and it's just like who who are those oh wait those are mine those are my kids that's Uh, awesome my 8 year old takes hers to school every day.
0: that's awesome awesome. yeah my kids stole mine so I had to get some extra ones and they keep taking them they're like their favorite I don't know that they've ever had just like a giant stocking cap like that before so they all they love them that's great um all right. Thank you, Brent, so much for coming on. Um, I'm glad we could connect and hang out. This was a blast. I think I think we should probably just do this more regularly anyway. Just hang out. We don't have to always record it. We'll record some of them, uh, but especially during the last nine months or so, I don't think we've hung out that much. So let's, let's fix that. Let's do that.
3: It, it's good practice for me. Um, thank you, guys. Uh, I'm used to throwing other people in front of a camera. And making them talk for a long <laughs> That's time. That's true. <laughs> uh, scheduling other people, I don't do it as much as maybe I should. So it's like, who can take this interview? You, you, you. So uh, it's good <laughs> for me. Uh, we're gonna get the bishop on soon.
0: Yeah, that'll be awesome. We're ready. I think uh, I think we created a doodle too, so that it's a lot easier to schedule. So you can just look at the doodle. Uh, if we haven't sent you that, I'll have Emily send you that. And we can get get the bishop scheduled, and we could hear the bishop's two truths and a lie.
3: <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be This will be good. It'll probably go back to his youth, to his brothers or something like that. My brothers made me do this. My brothers made me do that. <laughs> so you talk about themes. Maybe I'll even tease that with him. So um, talk to Emily about that.
0: Yeah, we'll I'll, we'll send some stuff. Yep. Cool. That'll be great. And let's see. Next week, we're out filming, so because we're going to be prepping for that, we didn't want to do a, uh, another live show, so we'll do a rerun. We'll try try out some reruns of our uh, more popular streams. Um, and then after that, we're going to have some other friends of ours. Julia Smith, previous producer here, now works at Blend uh, as an executive producer and producer. We're going to have Ryan Dembrowski after that, who we went to school with and was actually recommended by um, Michael Graf. So that connection was really fun. I didn't know Mike. Michael, I know professionally. Ryan, I know from school, and Michael knows Ryan, which is really really fun. And then after that, apparently it's just like the season of Ryan's. We're gonna have Ryan Orr, uh, and he works at D Films. Uh, did he? Is he the one who took your position, John? Or did he? Has he always worked there? I actually don't know no, he, his bio. Yeah,
1: he was. He's the lead editor at D Films. He's been there for a long time. I apprenticed under him. Oh, okay. As like as an intern, uh, learned a lot of things from from him.
0: Awesome. So that's what we got coming up. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching, and as always, putting up with all the technical issues that come up because hey, it's the internet. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Brent, for joining us. That's all we've got for today. Bye.